On tonight's Dad Bad Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> F- finally. Finally a good one. All right. I worked on that for several hours. Yeah, we'll Whoa. buy that one. Oh, man. 28 episodes. We finally got a good intro. Hit it. everybody welcome to dad Bandland. dbl is here we are the podcast that discusses all the music you love or should from the perspective of a neighborhood cover band i am adam felber your host and i am very happy to be here i am kevin burke your co-host and i'm i'm moderately happy to be here i can't quite <laughs> live up to adam's happiness right now so Nobody moderately can. happy you, you, you okay kevin you having a bad day no, you buddy? know what whatever i'm fine well just no i'm fine it's fine i'll find jeffy okay <laughs> that man that expressing concern for kevin is Jeffy Brandon, our chief technology officer <laughs> and uh, owner of Jeffy's Jukebox. Jeffy, what are you playing on your hot jukebox tonight? Well, this week we are doing songs in languages that you don't understand that you love. Suggested right. by a listener. Songs you That's love right. in languages you don't understand. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll name check that listener later. Meanwhile, we're going to go down the road to that spooky, ooky place that we call Brian's House of Wax. There's Brian Frank. Brian, welcome to the show. And what you got for us on your House of Wax tonight? Uh, happy to be here. I think I'm maybe a notch below Kevin or a notch <laughs> above Kevin. We'll see how it progresses. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll tonight, uh, tonight in my House of Wax, we're pulling out the Kinks something else which was their fifth UK album, but their seventh US album, which we will discuss. All right. I can't wait. Exploded. And we've been, we've been listening impossible. to it all week. <laughs> yeah, the math doesn't add up. How does that make sense? Their UK that band. sense? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Kevin Burke, let's get to our whole, like, what's going on with the band playing it section. Oh, yeah, that Cause section. Because well, the new incarnation know, of been, our band is happening. Yeah, as we know, we've been, well, it's happening in the sense that we've been practicing it's not happening in the sense that you can go see us you know opening for uh 
the uh, Motley Crue Def Leppard tour yet, but that's only in a little bit of time. Is that, is like that gonna, next week? That's probably, Motley Leopard, say, yeah. yeah, soon, soon. We're going to open between Poison and Motley Crue. And anyhow, no, we're practicing. And we're practicing yeah. some new songs, which I love learning new songs. And one of the songs we're playing, which I'm so, which I've always wanted to play in a band, and I've been playing it myself for years, is In the Meantime by Space Hog, a song that I love and that Adam loves. I, yeah, I think it's a great song. Now, now, okay. I, I'll let the I'll let all the listeners in on the controversy that erupted between me and Kevin and the band <laughs> uh, two weeks ago when we decided to start playing it. I expressed that I thought it was a great song. First and foremost, I said that. I also said I didn't think it was a song that was going to get as enthusiastic a treatment from our audience as some of our other songs. Mm. Kevin took this to mean I was saying that that the song was never popular. It was a popular song, but. I just don't think it occupies that mental space for a lot of the people who might come and listen to us, i.e., our wives. <laughs> but wasn't it wasn't it more popular though than that uh, squeeze song? I just okay. I, I seem no. to recall some. Brian was positions. let in on this controversy. I argued. Yeah, I mean, that rock the, the conversation the conversation the was charts? was that Space Hog was not was not as popular as that song by uh, Squeeze, uh, Tempted, and. Yes. And then I used I used math to prove my point that it was legitimately science. more popular. Science. Wait, you, 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 used data. Data. you used bad math. You um, no, oh, no, 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 accurate science. math. Your, your your math requires you to be like, sure, it charted less, but it got super popular later for reasons no one understands. That's 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 iffy math. That's not iffy that's math, math because it is a fact that's that everybody math. knows about the song "Tempted" by Squeeze is that it had an afterlife, some afterburners showed up in some movies and 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 in a way that made it sort of, as they say on Wikipedia, much more ubiquitous than it had been when it was released. But what's interesting in fact, is when I got when my when I got my like yeah. When when I got my data, <laughs> yeah. That that section wasn't in Wikipedia. And then then cut back, you know, fifteen minutes later, all of a sudden <laughs> there's an update to Wikipedia added by somebody and then yeah, this no. is in an argument. No, no, no. My, my, my point remains that um, our audience, particularly like when I saw the way that our wives responded, maybe not yours in particular, Kevin, to Tempted being struck up when we played it all those years ago, two years ago before the pandemic, it was an immediate response of familiarity and I'm singing along with this song. I brought a toothbrush, some toothpaste, a flannel for my face. Everybody seems to know that. I don't think in the meantime by Space Hog, which has sort of a, you know, that kind of moody, uh, alternative, dirge-like quality that I like, but not everybody does. I didn't think that would be such a, so much of a hit. That's all well, I was only, saying. It's only one way to find out. I, and we're I gonna. Say, from, a personal stand, <laughs> from a personal standpoint, I never heard the whole song Tempted until we started playing it, whereas I've listened to Space Hog, gosh, millions of times. But we, Brian Frank has a point. Brian yeah, Frank, we'll, I, I, we'll break the tie here. Well, listen, I don't want to cause any problems with anyone's marriages, but I think it's pretty telling that the other wives really like the song Tempted by the Fruit of Another uh -huh. and the subject matter they're in. Oh. Is Kevin's mm -hmm. wife not into it? I, I'm not trying to say anything. No, you know what? <laughs> maybe there's <laughs> other issues here. Yeah, she there might be. Claims, Why oh, would you not want to sing along with I had a conversation with her after this. I was like, do you know, what do you know about both? She <laughs> says she knows both songs equally. Which puts oh. her ahead of me. I didn't even know. I don't even know what the lyrics of "Tempted" are really about. I assume that it's about someone being tempted, but I don't. 
I, I only know it from a commercial for fruit. There was a commercial for fruit I once saw that had that in it. That's where I know the song. Wow. Well, you know what? We'll find out. We're having fun uh, playing it. I mean, there's not a lot for a keyboardist <laughs> to do. There's um, there's a little bit of keyboards <clears> in the <throat> intro, and there's just a kind of a, a, a bullshit piano outro. But there, I'm going to find places to play in that song. And again, I think it's a perfectly great song. Those guitar riffs are super tasty. Uh, it's uh, super tasty. Super I think, tasty. I think... Well, I do think there's that section that goes do bing, do bing, ba boom, bing, boom, boom, right? I think that's a keyboard piano, a keyboard and guitar section to be played together, and we need to work on that. We, we will can work have on two that. parts. Yeah, um, and you I sounded think, great on it when we played it the other day. Yeah, I think it's a great. I think it's a great song. I think it's one of those great, those great mid to late '90s songs that has dynamics in the chorus and dynamics in the verse section that are often lost. I do think it. To your point, it's a song that doesn't get played a lot since, but it's a song that I think is in everybody's <laughs> everybody's brain that was there at the time is going to be like, holy shit, I forgot about this song and I love this song. That's where I think this is where it's landing. You might be right. You might. I, I, if if that's what happens when we play this notional gig that we still haven't booked, I will. No one will be happier for you than me. Well, we've got to find people who graduated high school or college in the mid '90s, and that's really where our audience is going to be. By the way, I might be getting this wrong, but when I was trying to gather data to fight back against you, I came across a list assembled by mine and Brian Frank's favorite radio station ever, WLIRWDRE. Tempted number 38 on the list of their greatest songs of all time. 100 greatest songs. Space Hog wasn't there. Yeah, I was wondering. Oh, <laughs> no, no I, I didn't look around. Space Hog might yeah, be Yeah, but was that, that a list of rock know. songs, though? Was that a rock list, or was that just... Rock uh, charts? Was that a rock important. chart? Not These important. songs have to appear on the rock charts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They have to be on the rock charts. <laughs> and with that, I think we're at the end of this. Is, unless you want to say something technical about what it's like to play that I song, Kevin, because I would not know. Um, no, I mean, there are, no, it's, it's, it is just, it's just, again, like I was saying, there aren't a ton of songs we do that are like that. I love that era of music. I love that era of, it was almost like art rock that became popular rock. It wasn't super catchy. It wasn't super heavy. It was just right there in this pocket that I love. And it, it's not like that much anymore. You know, you don't get that no. kind of songs to become big hits, big rock hits on the rock charts. No, no, no. On it's, the it's, rock charts, especially. <laughs> in the rock charts, especially. It's, um, you know, it's it's slow. It's surprisingly slow in tempo. It's a throwback to like a 70s glam thing, but updated to a 90s thing. And I, again... It, it it played well for me. I remember seeing the video so, on MTV. So what's the attraction for you? <laughs> so, yeah. so why would I like that? Yeah, why uh, would that appeal to you at all? Why would I be interested in it? Um, no, but I remember Try. that's one of the, that's on the short list of songs. I remember seeing the video and I went right to the store and bought the album. Like there's just a handful of times that's happened where I'm like, I gotta have this, whatever this is. I don't even know if the other songs suck. I have an experience like that that happened to me concerning another band that we're going to be talking about tonight. But uh, that's gonna that that'll be a little bit later. For now, let's let's uh, put You're the lid on our tease, discussion. Adam. I love teasing you. Um, now let's uh, w- go down the road because over there, glowing neon, futuristic, we're heading towards Jeffy's jukebox. Hey, sidle up to Jeffy's jukebox. This week, <laughs> our topic is provided by one of our listeners. Uh, I'll just read from Greg O'Sullivan's Missive to DBL. Hello, I listened to the latest episode this weekend. When discussing Magma, I thought of songs I love that are in a language I do not know. Two of mine are both by Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan, My Heart, My Life, Done with Michael Brook, and 
must must the Massive Attack remix. Do you have any? Greg. Thanks, Greg, for this week's topic. Songs you love in a language you don't know. Welcome to Jeffy's Jukebox. Yeah! Wow. I, just gotta, I, have I to feel say, welcomed. <laughs> I have to also say that my, my dream sentence is inspired by magma. The conversation about magma. <laughs> yeah. no, one, no one has ever started a no conversation No one's ever said like that. that. I mean, and I don't want to dwell on it this week, but that was a pre-produced little intro. Um, that music is composed and performed by Jeffy Branion, is it not? That is correct. <laughs> Jeffy, Jeffy, do you... Do you lead a cult? Kyle says the sounds are amazing. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kyle. Yes, um, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I dabble. I, I dabble in yeah. a few things. Maybe I'm. I'm not. Maybe I'm not just a chief technology officer. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a little pursuits. bit of light mind control going on. <laughs> because, look, yeah. I'm all for. I'm all for turning this show into a cult, like slowly but surely, <laughs> cultifying. This show, it's smooth. Well, it smooth seems like you're starting with yourself. I just yeah, want to yeah. put a thought out there to some of our listeners. Some of your friends might not really be your friends. All right, moving oh, on. Wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got to start small, guys. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> let's go to. Um, <laughs> so, so here we songs. are in the jukebox uh, yeah. with songs that you know. Maybe yeah. you understand a few words. But you don't uh, understand the language. You don't speak the language. Jeffy, do you, you want to start? It's your language. jukebox. What? Uh, give sure. us a song. I mean, uh, this is a big topic sure. for you. This is kind of a big topic, and um, there were many ways I could have gone, but I I went with something very recent uh, that you know when I heard it in context, I was just kind of blown away with. Uh, just how much it made me want to get on my feet and start cheering. I saw this uh, movie called RRR, and this is a song called Natu Natu. That is catchy. So, yes, this. You know, it's kind of crazy. This movie is very over the top. Um, the less you know about it, the better. But um, if you like that kind of music and you like action and amazing dancing. <laughs> but you need to tell us the artist and, and the song. Yes, that is Natu Natu from Not the RRR soundtrack. Um, right. The artist is, please hold, that's. Not a good idea. Mahul Sibley Gunj uh, Kala Barava M.M. Kiravani. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. No, that was yeah. great, Kyle. You know what? I think we're all going to have to forgive each other for mispronunciations during this particular segment. <laughs> um, and, and our listeners will, too. And once again, listeners, your friends aren't your friends. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's... Just some of them, though. 
That sounds fantastic. And what language are we listening to? RRR, I believe, was shot, filmed in Telugu and Tamil simultaneously. They shot dialogue scenes twice. Hindi and Telugu are as different from each other as English and Korean, apparently. What I don't know anything movie? about it. It's it's not really Bollywood, but it's it's an over-the-top three-hour buddy cop movie, but not they're not there there's like a bromance, but it's set during when the country was a colony and it's like revolutionary, but like it's so complicated and I can't do it any justice. But I guarantee that you will be cheering at the screen and <laughs> shouting and wanting to dance and laughing. Not if there's not any giant robots. Oh, there's not an area robot. Sorry. Yeah, forget it. Forget it. Let's keep moving. It, it sounds great. And, and that's yeah. it's kind of like the, the iconic uh, platonic form of that question from our listener, because you don't even know what the language is, let alone speak it. Uh, that's right. Let's go to Brian Frank. So when uh, we talked about magma last week <laughs> and uh, Kevin brought it up, I mentioned my favorite artist that sings in a made-up language, who is Sigur Rós from Iceland. Yes. And my favorite song in a language, not only that I don't understand, it's a language that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. I'm going to attempt to pronounce. So... To give Kyle time to, I just, I to also cue it to, up. I also have to say, yeah. this is the second great sentence. My favorite artist who sings in a language that doesn't exist is just, right? just a great <laughs> way to start something. Thank you, Magma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Magma. Started this subgenre of languages oh, that do not exist. God. Uh, yep, no. my, my butchered pronunciation is Svenganglar. Let's hear it, Kyle. Kyle loves it. He's going to play it. haven't seen yeah if you haven't seen yeah, this great. video it's so powerful it's um a special needs theater group uh it's an icelandic troupe of uh men and women with down syndrome as angels and it's it's a beautiful video as well if, if you're unfamiliar with this band if you're unfamiliar with with this album check it out it's so good well it's beautiful and it's in a language that doesn't exist yeah, Correct. I mean, I, I, I am a big Sigaros fan myself, and I know some of the songs are in Icelandic, but some of, what do they call this, this made-up language? Yeah, so eventually, yeah, eventually they did end up actually performing in their own language. Maybe they uh, ran out of uh, words <laughs> for their made-up language called no. von, Le von Lenska. But you know oh. what? They got to take a cue from Magma and commit to the bit. There's like 20, I mean, I, 20 studio albums and 20 live albums, and Magma has yet to put in a word that is a real word. 
They are completely committed. <laughs> it sounds like they're ripe for a uh, collaboration with Magma. Ooh, or the Ewoks. Crossover. Possibly the Ewoks <laughs> involved as well as a super group. Yes. Hey, Kevin, speak of Ewoks, what do you have? And tell me it's not Yubnub. It is not Yubnub. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't use it twice. We have yet to get there, but someday we will. No, I I went through a lot of... Naturally, you know, I, I was taken to, like, the Swedish death metal realm and the Euronymous realm and all that. But I went with something that was a little more popular and... And I mean to start because I've got a I've got a couple, but I um, mm-hmm. you know this one was number twenty on the rock charts, which is the only um, <laughs> rock charts chart that really seems to matter. The only these chart days. that matters Does, doesn't actually uh, exist these days. But go ahead. And that's right. uh, and that's, Billboard discontinued um, their rock charts years ago. That's the nineteen ninety the nineteen ninety seven classic that we may remember that showed us that sort of anger and and aggression is international and uh, transcends oh, actual lyrics. Du, du hast, du hast mich. Du, du hast, du hast mich. I could listen. I could listen to that all night. Uh, Kevin tells that's Romstein. That, 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 that is, of course, Romstein. by by Romstein, which was a hit. Was all over MTV, and people were playing it. And I don't think anyone really knew what they were saying. But you could scream you it and say me. it, and you could headbang along it. And uh, and and it. It's I mean, Romstein still Romstein still sells out like stadiums to this day. Like they're still a massive worldwide band. But this is the time yeah. they've broken this. Go country. catch the tour, people! It's Romstein slash Mannheim Steamroller, and they will. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I yeah. found out it meant you hate me, it, that makes it even better. Romstein. Yeah, you, you, you would think that it's about hating someone, but you're the victim, which is just an added you, layer of complexity. You hate, yeah. You hate <laughs> me. me. Yeah, and 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 a follow up single, and you've got a right to. Um, yes. Now I deserve now, it. I love that, and I want to say, Kevin, I went on a similar journey to yours. I oh boy, I was I went to I I went to um, you know the Swedish metal stuff that I've listened to that I really like. <laughs> Um, and, and I went to, there's all this African pop that I love that I was, but like when I had to come down to like, okay, what's my favorite, really favorite song, uh, in a language that I don't speak. It's not even a genre that I listen to a lot, but my answer surprised me. It's this. That song, of course, is um, Aguas de Marco, Waters of March, a bossa nova classic written by Antonio Carlos Jobim. Um, that version was recorded by, uh, that's one of the most famous versions. I think her name is, wait, I have it right here. 
Her name is uh, Illis Regina. But uh, there's an amazing version by Stan Getz on his uh, Samba album that you absolutely need to hear. In fact, I wouldn't mind playing a, a, a bit of that because he fucks with the rhythm in a beautiful way. But that song, even without knowing what the lyrics meant, I was like, well, that's just beautiful. And then you learn the lyrics or you hear it sung in English and you're like, yeah. This is a this is a beautiful poem, just kind of listing the things that you run into in life, rather than trying to establish any kind of narrative. And uh, it was about a year ago when I had to write a show, write the narration for a show that was about the bossa nova movement in Brazil, and I was fascinated to learn about how cool it was and how it mixed with American jazz, um, and how it, it couldn't have existed without American jazz. And it just kind of thrilled me. And this is my favorite song of 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 that. So, Adam, that was almost my... Is that the name of that song? Aguas de Marco. Aguas de Marco, sorry. I don't speak Portuguese, so I might be um, pronouncing it wrong. Uh, And and Kyle has Stan Gets Ready, but I want to let Brian come in. That was almost my second choice, so I can't wait to play... Yeah, I can't wait to play my second choice. Anyway, let's hear the Stan Gets version. Oh, yeah, let's hear a little bit of Stan Gets version, because it is wild. Wait, he does this with... Can you pronounce the name of the guy he does this with? Because he's one of the bossa nova masters of Brazil. Joao Gilberto. Uh, yeah. Joao Gilberto. That's absolutely right. That's how you pronounce it, too. I promise you all, people. Uh, play it, because listen, listen to what they do to the rhythm here. It's such a beautiful cover. É madeira de vento, onde tá renascer, é o mistério profundo, queira ou não queira. É o vento, vento, é o fim da ladeira, é a vida, é o vento. Esta da comida, é a chuva, chovendo, conversa ribeira, nas águas do mar, céu, fura, canseira. É o pé, é o chão, é all right, all right, that's enough. I mean, and, and, and I encourage you all to listen to an English language version or find the lyrics because he just say, the lyrics just say what it is. It's, it's a sunset. It's a plate of rice. It's a heart attack. It's just listing all these things. It's just and beautifully arranged in a way better than I just I just did it. Uh, I love that. That was a lot of people consider that one of the best songs to ever come out of Brazil. And I, I, I can't I can't argue with that. It's beautiful. Uh, Brian, since yeah, you have was- another, give me another. Sure, yeah, because I was trying to think of music that I listen to all the time that I have no idea what they're saying. And a lot of that Brazilian stuff fits into that category. So, Kyle, we just uh, put, put my platter on and then I'll tell you all what it is. The amazing so thing about uh, that, Brian, is that this was yeah. this was my choice before I chose the one I did. There you go. This is this is go. the so other this is my other favorite song from that era, right? that place. Tell tell everybody it's what it is. So cool. So that's Mas Que Nada by Sergio Mendes in Brazil '66, and just what Adam was referencing the interwovenness between this era of bossa nova with American jazz. Uh, that was. I think the second signing to A&M Records after Herb Alpert himself. And uh, I recently watched a documentary about A&M Records, a two-parter, which was awesome. 
and they had a whole section about Sergio Mendes, and it's so cool. Oh wow, I love that mid '60s vibe. It's so cool. It, it's it's amazing. And I would uh, I would advise our listeners like. I know the bossa nova ended up being that sort of milk toasty pseudo exotic, you know. There's a there's a poop poop platter restaurant down the street thing that your parents dance to at weddings and bar mitzvahs, uh, but the bossa nova movement was way more smooth, cool, and interesting than that, and it's worth your time. And we should be clear, cool, uh, clear that was that's a cover, by the way. That's not the original. <clears throat> Jorge Ben uh, did the original, but it sounds nothing like that, does it? No, no, no. But anyway. All right, Kevin, throw another on the fire. All right, so I got one that was a, you know, it was a 1983 hit. Um, it uh, got itself um, a remix, a dub mix, you know, like a 12-inch single. It sort of went around. It was like a popular club song, and I want to uh, just play it right now, and we'll see if we can remember <laughs> this hit. I'm loving time. this. Go ahead. I recognize it already. All right, all right, and of course, what is that? That's lofty neck, mother. It it fit the criteria. I don't know what she's saying. That yeah. of course is that of Neither course is size noodles in the Max Reno band noodles. performing performing Lotte Neck, which apparently is Hutties 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 for weekend yes. for work it out. It's um, Hutties. Fun fact about Lopty Neck. I mean, it was removed. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Of before so, so yeah. that our listeners understand, this is a Star Wars thing. And I apologize. So Return of the Jedi well, thing it's a, it's a, it's a Tatooine, a local Tatooine band. I don't know what you mean by that. I mean, they're so big on Tatooine. Yeah, they're I mean, huge. Size noodles cannot walk down the street without getting I, yeah, tackled by right. a What number did fan. it hit on the, on the on, rock, on the rock chart. charts? You know, it's funny. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but I do know. <laughs> they, call them, they call them sand charts on Tatooine. But... <laughs> I just want to spell it oh, out for our listeners who had friends as kids. You guys have had too much spice. Oh, too, yeah. <laughs> wrong desert. Wrong desert. Yes. Um, wrong. So it, uh, it, just for the record, I mean, it did have a 12-inch single. I wasn't making that up. It has a number of remixes. It was actually written by John Williams' son, Joseph Williams. Oh. And uh, and then, and like Yub Nub, was eliminated from the later version of, uh, 15 years later, was wiped off of the of Return of the Jedi. Replaced with a song Erased. called Jedi... Replaced with a song called Jedi Rocks, which probably did chart on the rock chart because it definitely was pandering to it rocking. Definitely, definitely charted on the Jedi charts. <laughs> yes. But anyhow, Lofty Neck, I don't know what she says, but I tell you what, I know every word of Lofty Neck. I know every inflection of Lofty Neck. So yeah. that counts. It was within I knew the it parameters. Right away. Yeah, no, definitely singing along. It counts. Um, I'm moving on, though. Hey, Jeff, what do you have? And if it's Yub Nub, I will fucking slap you. <laughs> okay. Well, well then. It's Jeffy it's a no good second. thing we're not in the studio together, no! Kyle. I'm kidding. That was. I tried to sell that one. Um, so I, you know, I kind of went in the wayback machine, uh, but this <laughs> song awesome, has Kevin. been covered many, many times. I decided to go to the original source because it is. Just really beautiful. Um, this uh, Edith Piaf song, oh. La Vie en Rose. Oh. 
This is not on the rock charts. <laughs> you gotta get past this intro. Yeah, well, we won't. <laughs> patient, young one. That's all we need from that. Uh, you know, this has been covered beautiful. by everybody, you know, including Lady Gaga. It's uh, just a really beautiful song, and I, I don't know all of the... I don't know all of the... Um, Words. Words. You know, I don't know what it all means. <laughs> you don't I need speak to. speak a little French, but it's not about understanding. It just it does it just communicates kind of right to your heart. Absolutely. It's just an unbelievable melody. Uh, just as a footnote, because I happen to love it. Um the wonderful French American jazz piano player Jackie Terrison, he's on Blue Note Records and has been for 20 years. Uh, recorded a super up tempo piano only version of this song. And it is so worth your time. You you listen to it and you wonder how many hands does this man have, and the melody just kind of rings right out of that. So there's a, a since, rock recommendation from me to you. It has nothing to do with rock. <laughs> since you mentioned that, I'm going to throw in one bonus, which is because of the your bossa nova choice choices. I almost did uh, Corcovado from the specifically the. Uh, Everything but the girl version, kind of a dance drum and bass version. Mm. There's many versions of that song, but we'll put that on the playlist. Yeah, we'll put it on the playlist. And I'll just throw one more in, and it's not even from me, because over the last few years, my sister has been working for a French company, and she actually speaks French, so she's not qualified to add this in, but she occasionally plays me some of her favorite French pop, rock, and hip-hop hits. And so... I asked her to just like if you were if you were gonna bring one bit of French hip hop that you've been playing me over the years to the table. She didn't choose my favorite one, but she chose one that I think is fantastic. She says, "I love this guy. He's funny. He's filthy." And here's his song. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't guessed, this is sort of like a French bite on American super old school rap. This guy is, I, I watched a little bit of the video, this guy is hilarious but I, I have no idea what he's saying my sister says he's filthy okay but awesome. it's super enjoyable and his name let's is get that. let's get the name and track title his name is is his name enjoyable filth in french no no his name is gerard bast or best and uh the song is called tro gross tro gross tro gross t-r-o-p-g-r-o-s um, French hip hop oh, is a real thing right now. My sister's played me a lot of stuff that sounds a lot more modern and it's kind of amazing. Um, but I don't know nothing about it, nor do I understand a word of it. 
And with that, <laughs> yes, we with all just bench nodded. Clearer. We all just yeah. peacefully nodded in, in, in a certain. Yes, yes, Adam. Okay. Yes. Yippee, yes, I, Adam. Everybody, Dad Band Land will be back right after this. Dad Band Land is back, and we oh my God, Dad we, Band we, Land. We have an extra that you'll never hear, people. But it was really fun. Just you know now. what? You know what? Hey. You know, in our in in our desire desire to slowly turn this into a cult, we should develop our own language that is the DBL exclusive language. Certain words that we oh, use. Oh yeah, like yeah, yubnub. Yeah, yubnub code words. Just sort of bring them in that way. It's a comforting comforting Ooh. to use your own words for things. That Kevin, yeah, and by the way, lop, just a Kevin, quick message to our neck, listeners. You know that I mean? thing that lopty neck. Quick message to our listeners. Um, that thing that really hurts. We can make it better. Okay, now um, <laughs> here we are. In the, oh my God, Kevin, stop the car! What? What's what's going on? Why we, don't yell like we, that? We 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 hit nervous, that old I'm a man. Uh, we hit that old man who was out of, the, out of the hood again. What did I hit the old just, man? The old man just jumped in front of our car. He looked like he was running away from something. He almost looked like he wanted to be hit, but let's just don't, put his body in the trunk and go to the nearest house. It's a scam. It's a scam. I, I, don't I get out of the car. I think he may be dead, but why is he smiling now? I'm dragging his body <laughs> to the trunk. Just, Kevin, okay, just drive to that house over there. Maybe we can find some help. Don't look at the other Although stuff that's the, the direction Don't, don't look at the other from. bodies in the trunk. Okay. That's why we're oh looking for a wood chipper. Yes. So, so anyhow, where do you think this old man came from? Because they old men are not, typically not in the middle of the desert this way, running. Well, that's just not how I know. He old was running. incredibly spry for he being was, so old for his age. Maybe he was running from this house, from which a man emerges. He has a lot of tattoos, and he welcomes us, and he says, "Welcome to." Wow! Yeah. Here we are. We're here. We made it. <laughs> oh man! Hey, uh, hey, Brian. You wouldn't Frank. believe what we what we went through to you get here, have, Brian. You wouldn't have seen an old man recently, would you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was busy out back with my wood chipper, so I'm not quite sure. Oh, oh. oh you have one of those. Oh, my. We may need that oh. later. Yeah. No problem. Like after you go to bed. <laughs> hey, so Brian, what's happening in your house of wax today? Besides Welcome. torture and murder. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else? Uh, implied. Yeah, implied implied uh, torture and murder. Circumstantial. Alleged. alleged. <laughs> well, uh, welcome into the mudroom. Uh, it's blood free. <laughs> the blood I mean, room. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. <so. laughs> nice remodel on the mudroom, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Why is there a grate on the floor now? This is so weird. I, I, I feel like one so of my favorite sawdust. things about this riff that we've been doing is Brian's uncomfortableness with this riff. I know, I know, but, but I'm also wondering every every week. I'm wondering like, how far is this going to go? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I feel how? like it is taking up more and more of What's the show. With the uh, this meter meter over te- the test me, test me next week, and you'll find out about the rancor under the grate. Okay? <laughs> nice. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We got a song. Yeah. We got a song to be played for deep, that. Event. Deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. Deep so, cuts. Uh, t- he just lofty necked us. He just lofty necked us. All right, rancor. <laughs> so uh, tonight in the house of wax, we're talking about something else from what, the what, Kinks. What else? Oh, okay. <laughs> something else. Something else by the Kinks. By the Kinks. It's called Talk something else by the Kinks. Not something uh, else by the, the Kinks. Kinks it's, album. it's the Kinks. 
Something else by the Kinks? Something else by the Kinks, correct. Okay. We could just call it something else. Uh, it was originally released <laughs> on September 15th, 1967, which makes it, well, in America, I'm sorry, in the UK, it was released on September 15th, 1967, which makes it 55 years old as of around the time of this recording. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, this was their fifth album in England. Uh, January 1968, the album was released in America, where it was their seventh album. Uh, oh, there were wow. a couple of weird compilation-type albums in America that had songs. The typical thing that happened in this mid-60s period of these rock bands that were releasing so singles in the UK that weren't on the album, which were the big hits. And so in America, they tacked them on to different records, different configurations. But something else is the same track listing for America and the UK, same songs. Right. Uh, the version that I listened to uh, is the 180 gram mono remaster wow. reissue from the box set that came out a couple of years ago. There's a mono reissue box set, highly recommended. I checked it out on Discogs. It will set you back a pretty penny these days. I got it when it came out uh, where it was not so expensive. And, and then, can I just say this for our audience? Yeah. A lot of times in the 60s, the mono mix was the mix that producers and bands heard, and the stereo mix was just given to some secondary engineer to just throw out there. And then when we got to the CD world, they just did the stereo mixes, which the bands and producers often didn't approve, like the Beatles. There you go. And that's why for a lot of these 60s records, I like getting the mono mixes to Kevin's point, because this is what the band intended the listener to hear. Uh, and sometimes the song lengths are different. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's all different things that happen. It's, it's a lot of fun. I actually have the the Beatles mono and the Beatles stereo box sets. Same. And it's fun to compare, uh, especially if you're used to, you know, you grew up with the stereo versions and then you hear the mono versions. Well, and I, I, have, I have the one that came on the uh, the Green Apple with the USB disc. Oh, interesting. You guys see that one? Mm -hmm. That special? Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. No, I mean, I mean, just on, on a small note, like, She's Leaving Home is a different key in mono. It's slightly, it's played faster. It's a, So there are these changes that... Well, that song that, could use a little speed up. Oh, oh, too soon. Wow. Mm. No, I, I think it, I think it's a little slow. I think it's a little no, slow. No, but, but to this mix. point, to this point, like, the bands approved this. This is what the band wanted you to hear. And oftentimes those were lost for 30, 40, 50 years sometimes with these mixes. Yeah. That's a yeah. really great point. Let's get back to wax facts about yeah. the kinks. And wax a gr facts. great, great segue. This was uh, the first album from the band that was not wholly produced by Shell Talmy. He did some of the songs, but Ray Davies took over and then became the producer of the Kinks, along with their main being their main. Ray Davies, the, uh, the the principal songwriter, singer, and architect of the Kinks, as well as uh, the producer on this record. Correct. And this album marked a change in the sound due to that production change, but also in the lyrical content. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. I want to take a little side track. So wax facts, side, side tracks. Side track. Wax facts, <laughs> side tracks. <laughs> About Shell Talmy, because this is fascinating. So Shell was actually born in Chicago, uh, moved out to L.A., graduated from Fairfax High School um, and became an audio engineer. But he moved to the U.K. in 1962. And his buddy, Nick Vinay, who was a A&R guy and producer at Capitol Records, the guy who worked with the Beach Boys, uh, gave him a couple of acetates to take along with him 
to pretend that he had produced them in order to secure a job. <laughs> so fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. So he brought two Nick Vinay records, Music in the Air by Lou Rawls and Surf and Safari by the Beach Boys. Had a meeting with Dick Rowe, who is the head, the famous head of Decca Records. Hired him immediately. Uh, so he. I worked on Dick Rowe for a while. <laughs> Not my favorite memory. <laughs> wow. Good go on, Brian. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. No. Wax unfact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some wax facts you can't unknow. Yes. That's true. Uh, so anyway, so he started as an as a independent producer working with Decca Records, and he started working with a band called The Ravens, who changed their name to The Kinks, and he produced the band's third single, You Really Got Me. And mm. that obviously took off. Um, we can do a, maybe a side episode about Jimmy Page and You Really Got Me, maybe just for Kevin and myself. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. Um, but, but... He ended up producing all the big singles uh, from the Kinks, and there's a band called The High Numbers, and their guitar player Pete Townsend was really into "You Really Got Me." So I've he heard actually, of, I've heard of Pete Townsend. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah, wrote a yeah. song. He really liked "You Really Got Me," so he made his own kind of version of it called "I Can't Explain," and he got Shell Tell Me on the phone, played the song for him over the phone. And Shell Tommy's like, all right, you're in. Come on. So he ended up producing all the Who's early stuff, including their what? first album. Yeah. So wow. super famous producer. I got a lot more to talk about, but we're talking about with the Who, but we're talking about the Kinks. We're talking so, about Trink Kinks, yes. and that entire sidetracks was about the guy who's yeah. not involved in this album. Partially involved. He was partially involved. Partially okay. involved. Pay attention. The, because, yeah, because the point is this. So the band had this garage rock sound that Shell Tell Me was so good at that he perfected with the Kinks and the Who, but the Kinks started drifting away from this sound, right? Uh, later on in their career, the, the next album, Village Green Preservation Society, there's Muscle Hope, they, they went into a whole other thing, but this is their transition point. Um, this album, although it was quite different, met with positive reviews. It did hit number 35 in the UK and number 153, in the U.S., uh, which was US the lowest charts. charting, <laughs> not on the rock chart, rock uh, but this was their lowest charting album in their history. But there's an asterisk there, isn't there, Brian? There's an asterisk because some of the songs had already come out. What, like Tempted? That's true. So Water Waterloo Sunset. <laughs> so Waterloo Sunset. So I meant it's their lowest charting album of their album, career, yeah. but Waterloo Sunset, the single. Came out on May 5th, so a couple months before this album. Hit number two. Didn't even make the charts in America. And Death of a Clown was released as a single on July 7th uh, as a Dave Davies solo song, weirdly, weirdly. but then was included huh. on the album. It hit number three, wasn't released as a single in the U.S. And so what happened was this album didn't do well. The Kinks rushed out another single uh, like a month later called Autumn Almanac. And that was another top five single. And they had, that was a streak of 12 top 10 singles in the UK. And that became their last top 10 single for three years. They retreated from touring. They went into the studio. They became a studio-based band to become the Kinks that later became more respected and, and famous for their vibe. 
My last little wax fact about this, or it's more wax of a story facts. again, wax is facts. it's wax interesting tales. to me that, yeah, there you go, wax tails. Those of, <laughs> of us tails. in America don't have as much familiarity with the kinks. I happen to, so, and I mentioned this before on the show, my mom's sister lived in England. Uh, she moved to England when I was really small. So she would send me records and tapes. And I actually had a two cassette, double cassette, like Kink's Greatest Hits collection that I listened mm -hmm. to all the time. But none of my friends knew anything about the Kinks, cared anything about the Kinks. And it was always interesting to me. I became a huge Kinks fan, got into the Kinks. No one's really into it, and I wondered why. Well, that's and, I, I have a I have yeah. a theory myself. We'll we'll get into it later. Okay. But yeah, I've I've spent a lot of time wondering why as well, and trying to cut, figure this out myself. So I'm interested in what you what your theory is, as well as what um, my experience has been trying to find the kinks years later. Sure. Years so later. I'll give you I'll give you some wax facts slash tale. Wax so wax in, facts. in 1965. <laughs> In 1965, when the band was successful in the U.S., they were on a U.S. tour, and they were taping a Dick Clark TV show, and the band were famous for getting in fights on the stage. They were rough-and-tumble guys, right? They had a bit of a reputation. Um, and what happened was when they were in the studio uh, they for this Dick Clark show, they were a little late, and some guy from the TV show started being snarky with them uh, about being British and all this kind of stuff. So oh, the Davis brothers loved that. Yes. So of course he got punched in the face. <laughs> and after being punched in the face, the American Federation of Musicians refused to give them work permits for four years. So at the height of the British invasion, they could not enter the United States of America from 1965 to 1969. They cannot be played Yikes. on television. Yeah, there's a television band so, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I literally Ray Yeah, so so Ray Davies traveled to LA in 1969 to negotiate the end to the ban on the Kinks <laughs> from the wow. Union. Okay. He was successful. They did a, a US tour around the album that uh came in uh 69 and a 69 Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire. Uh, didn't do well at all. Toured didn't do well. They, they were fairly obscure at that time. But then they added a new keyboard player to the group. They came out with a new single called Lola, which is the first song this guy played on, which then ended up becoming a U.S. top 10 hit and brought the Kinks back into the public eye. And then they became the Kinks that most of us knew and loved. Wow, those are some wax... Go. Facts. That's very some wax of, yeah, Kevin, you that. have a lot to say here. I can tell. Well, so yes and no. Yes, yes and no. I mean, I, I just have some thoughts on it. I don't have a ton to say about the record, but I've had similar thoughts to what Brian has been going through. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I worry that a lot of us don't have a lot to say about this particular record. Well, but no, no, go no ahead. I could. But oh, oh, you're asking who to go ahead. No, 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 no. Just go ahead and oh. do your thing. Oh, okay. Well, here's, I mean, I've, first of all, I just going to say, I, I'd never heard this record before this week. I loved it. Uh, this I have a very big soft spot for this mid to late 60s production value for however you do. Honestly, also, album length. The idea that I could get through it like three times in 90 minutes, that's like so good to me, right? That's, that's the dream length. And I do consider 
the kinks up there with the Beatles and the Stones and the Who in terms of a quality of band, in terms of the songs they've made, in terms of the songwriting that they do. Um, I did not know about this band, but I, I've always thought, the band in America, but I always thought that their issue ended up being they have a ton of great singles, but they don't have a Sgt. Pepper or a Dark Side of the Moon or a Led Zeppelin Four. Like They don't have the singular album that when the 70s album rock sort of world took moving to classic rock, there was nothing you had to buy from the Kinks that was the definitive Kinks record. The closest is probably Village Green Preservation Society, which I love, but they didn't have that. When Whenever, you know, when my generation was getting into it, you would go to the mall and you'd be like, I need Led Zeppelin 4, I need this thing because everyone has this. There's not a Kinks album that does that. And, and I don't think that's just because of the band. I think it's because there's not a Kinks album necessarily that has that quality of material top to bottom for 40 straight minutes. There's so many great songs, but but not a great album. Well, let me tell you my experience listening to this album this week. Um, you know, I I hadn't, you know, I'd heard, of course, Waterloo Sunset, but I wasn't familiar with a lot of this material. And a curious thing happened as I was listening this week. Hmm. It didn't grow on me. <laughs> Interesting. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if, if, I mean, there are elements that I like, like, Harry Rag, I like that, I guess. And Lazy Old Sun is kind of like mm-hmm. my kind of psychedelia. But the rest of it, it either went over my head or past me. Like, I just felt like they were all, most of the songs were near misses for me. Like, I was just, they're not, I, I wasn't like, Oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. It was just like I didn't get grabbed by this album. Well, there's some commonality between you and Kevin there. I mean, because both of you, I think, have correctly identified that this and possibly no other Kinks albums are perfect records. I mean, no, no. any record with Dave I Davies. Think, I do think Village Green is a perfect record, but I also think it's a perfect British record, and I get why Americans oh, never bought that record. Super British. That, that yeah. might be right. Uh, to me, any record where Dave Davies sings a lot is not going to be a perfect record anyway. I think he's a great songwriter. Ouch. I think he's a terrible singer. Um, he, you know, On the hit that Brian mentioned, he is, is actually one of the best vocals I've ever heard from him. And he does great backing vocals, but um, there are cuts in that album where he's singing, and I'm just like, please, don't. Let Ray sing. Um, and Ray <laughs> felt the same way, which is why I kept punching Dave in the face. Uh, but here, here's what I want is to that, say. Is, we are, is, that a, is that a viable option, too? Because I think the Oasis brothers worked under the same um, principle. You know, they did, but, they, I feel but like they, they, were, band, they were posers compared to the Kinks. They still I feel like your band has been solving conflicts through punching. That is not true, but if I could make Adam play better by punching him in the gut, I would absolutely punch you in the gut. For your own good, Adam. Wow. For your own good. Am I not playing wow. well, Kevin? No, no, but, but instead of giving isn't notes like, how instead ha- of giving notes like, should you how- play this, I would just punch you in the gut. And you'd be like, I got it, Kev. Totally. I got isn't it. Isn't that how they killed Houdini? That's how Houdini died, you know. Yeah, why would you do that to him? I would love that. If 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 that would be a way to do it, if, if it could be that easy, I would I would actually subscribe to being punched in the gut. If I punched Adam in the stomach while he was playing, and that killed right. him like, and that killed him like Houdini, I do feel I feel I've known Adam long enough to know that as he was dying, he would be like, "Listen, he died. He died go. doing he what he loved." Yeah, he absolutely. Kevin's not much of a puncher, so no, I would say no. if he punched me in the stomach and I died, it was my time. There was, exactly, because my wrists—I have bird wrists. My wrists would shatter. When I <laughs> punched tiny him in the little wrists. I have it's tiny amazing. little bird wrists and, and long fingers. I have guitarist fingers, very long, lanky fingers. Bird bone Kevin, they call him. 
Yeah, no, totally. My, right. my bones are hollow. I want to take us back to the kinks for a minute. We're all, oh, yeah, all yeah, well, yeah, sure. We are all victims of our generation. We are all products of our time. So I just wanted to, to relate to you guys this. When I was 13 or 14, it's 1981, um, I, I was watching Saturday Night Live, and the kinks were playing Saturday Night Live. I was aware that they'd done a couple of songs that I knew, like Lola and uh, You Really Got Me and stuff like that. Can and I ask, didn't they have a, a, a big hit dancing. around that time, like a late This period? is what I'm getting to. You, oh, okay. you don't have to ask, because that is Why literally you let what him my tell story, story is about. Oh, that was your story. I'm hey. sorry. My bad. Your fighting is tearing us apart. Waxtails. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> I'm punching myself in the stomach right now. <laughs> oh, that's good. You can stop now. And I'm so enjoying it. Were, the Kinks were the band on Saturday Night Live, and they, they opened with Destroyer. Destroyer was the first single off the their new album Give the People What They Want and it and they make a reference to Lola in the first line of their song and the riff is stolen from You Really Got Me and so then meta. they build on it it's super meta I kind of knew that they were doing that and that song rocks really fucking hard like nothing that you heard on, on the album that we listened to this week, suddenly I was a Kinks fan, like a complete Kinks fan. And I said, I need to know more about this band. And then he, they followed up, impossibly enough, you could never play this song on television um, right now, with the song Art Lover, which is a really moving, empathetic portrait of a guy who likes to hang out in the park to look at little girls. Do you want to know more? It's so crazy. Um, and, and and I was instantly a Kings fan because I was like, these are super wonderful, empathetic songs. Now, there's nobody in the world who would say that the Kinks' crazy and improbable 1980s resurgence as a band was better than their heyday in the late 60s, except maybe me. And that's maybe because <laughs> when I was born. Wow. And so, no, so I, I want yeah, to yeah. contextualize this because I love the song Lola. I love um, I love almost every song on Give the People What They Want and its follow-up, which was the one that had Come Dancing on it, um, when they suddenly, improbably, were rock stars again 15 years later. Right. But listening to the album that we listened to this week, here's what I thought was missing on some of the cuts, which is Ray Davies' incredible gift for empathy. Later Kinks, that guy was inside the characters that he was writing about. On this album, he's there half the time. There are songs like Two Sisters where I feel like he's there, and then there's songs like the, the Tin Soldier Man and, and, and other ones that just feel fucking condescending, um, well, at least in retrospect. And right. I think he improved as a writer when he decided that no matter how vile the people he was singing about, he was going to try to understand them because I think observation is his gift. And there are some moments on this album that are like Waterloo Sunset is unequivocally one of my favorite songs ever. That might be, but be my favorite. The album is song. not yeah. stuffed with it. Yeah. Well, the, I, the album yeah. is not chuck a block with it. Well the way I look at it is it's a transitional album because when you know what's coming next, which is mm -hmm. which is Village Green. Side note, when I was a kid there was a there was a soccer field we played on called the Village Green that was paid paved over for a supermarket. So an album called The Village Green Preservation Society was well, very and entertaining. Recording sessions for Village Green actually started with this album. And they did record they recorded that Village makes Green during the sessions for this album. The song. 
Yeah. Yeah, and Village Green. What wow. I'm seeing, what I see on something else is them being like t- testing the waters of Village Green, thinking, you know, we could do a whole record that tells stories about other people and pre- presents a world, even with a, an untrustworthy narrator at <clears throat> times. Because to your point, yes, Adam, which is great. To your yeah. point, Adam, like it, th- there is some compassion, but what's cool about Village Green is that is that you're not even sure you trust the guy who's singing the stories. Do you know what I mean? Like there's Which very, is awesome. It's yeah. brilliant. It's it's The difference is it's fully committed. I think something else is a great record, because again, I can spend all day in just the sound of this record. Knowing where it's going next, it definitely feels like the lead up to a better record. That being yeah, said, I right. I, that being said, this is probably, in my knowledge of the Kinks, the first, gr- first good, you know, very good album. Because I, de- I definitely think the Kinks have made... So many good songs that if we went now to, if I could grab all the great songs from a different time period and put together and assemble a record, it could rival the Beatles and the well, Stones. And that's and my point, Kevin. Best songs. They wouldn't put but, a record together until now. But, say, but saying that is the very difference between the Kinks and those other bands. Well, sure. Like, and yeah, I don't think you I need have to, to scour their catalog. Yeah, in I don't order think I need to sell the world. something great. I don't think I need to sell the world on the fact that the Kinks <laughs> did not achieve Beatles level of but success. That's what I'm saying is <laughs> yeah, when yeah, I was discovering music, I had this double cassette of all of their greatest hits, like you're talking about, Kevin. And so to me, I'm like, holy shit, this band's amazing. And then over the years going back and trying to listen to albums and understand albums, like I had the Beatles 62, 66 cassette and I and I had right. the Kinks Same. version of that. And I'm like, wow, these bands are great. And I had a weird right. bootleg yeah. like, who greatest hits that I got? It's like at a drugstore on Union Turnpike in Queens. Yeah. And like, those were my, like, and so they were all equivalent oh, yeah. to me <laughs> well, until I? I got older and then went back to albums and discovered right. exactly what you're talking about, Kevin. Yeah. Well, can I ask, can I ask, because I do think this is a factor, how the greatest hits system works? Because Rock honestly, to me, the Stones don't have a great top to bottom record. Rock charts. Till to, to, to yeah. Beggar's, Beggar's Banquet... Um, you yep. know, uh, sticky fingers like mm-hmm. that's when the Stones start having good albums, right? But they have. I want to break out a wax a- fact that's relevant to this album and relevant to your question, which is that it has to do with with the way that the labels decide to put things together. And one thing I read this week is that one of the reasons why this album didn't chart in America is that it was literally competing with two different Kinks. Yeah. Oh, interesting! Best of album. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's what I was getting at. Like, because the Stones have Hot Rocks, which while which while a greatest hits album, a compilation mm-hmm. is such an iconic compilation that it ends up being almost its own album, right? Like, like it's not one of those multiple like there's certain bands that there have been so many greatest hits about it. There's almost no legitimate greatest hits, and I feel like for the Kinks. Can you make a version of Hot Rocks with mm-hmm. the Kinks yes, catalog? Yes, is the question. You, you can, but the, the difference was nobody did in like 1967. <laughs> All right, to, to make a defining. I Kinks challenge hits. you for our listeners. Oh, I yeah. would like you to create a playlist that is. The Kinks equivalent of Hot Rocks. Oh, I could do that. I could do oh, that. Oh, do I that, need, Kevin. I, need, I might need Brian's input at times, but I think I could do that. And I do think I, yes. could, I could make a I, great record yeah. out of that. Yes. Absolutely. Hey. Brian has to have a pro- final approval. Yes. Okay. This is yes. this is a great DBL project. I, I would love that because you know what? My knowledge of the Kinks isn't deep enough because whenever I went back to those 60s albums after becoming a fan in the 80s, 
um, I would run into this, that there were songs like um, uh, Love Me Love Till me the till Morning the or whatever shines. that thing is the called. The Dave Davies song, uh, yeah. On, on, yeah, Love Me Till the Sunshine. That, like, like, that's, a, that's a skip that one every time song. Well, it, that was the thing that I noticed this week, too, is that I, I have to say this was a, kind of a singular experience for me because uh, normally there are some albums that I like already, you know, Peter Gabriel 4. It's like, sure. that's just, mm -hmm. that's like eating a Snickers bar. You don't even, there's, there's, there's just no resistance. It's like but hearing like, for something yep. like this, there and then the, then there have been other albums that were like, okay, on the third time through, I finally get it, or something snaps, or something snaps. And then there were focus, the albums whatever. that like stole your minds, like Toto Four did to you and Kevin. Yeah, our hearts. And, more, but more, but more eventually, than our minds, I kind of had, I kind right. of had like a, a transformative experience listening to that, right? Because right. ultimately, it dragged me into its thing and got me this is one of the first things that we've listened to on the show where ultimately like i don't feel like i'm going to go back to this album well, how about this after one after this week wow well that that being so yeah uh, this is the 20 you're saying of 28 albums the kinks are the fucking goose egg <laughs> wow <laughs> no, well, I'm not. I'm they lose. Not. It's a they kind of, lose. You know, no, no, they lost. Means it they has lost. no value. I'm I mean, just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. Cheap, cheap trick and color was on the <laughs> docket there. I'm just saying. Um, no, I would say. I'm not saying we're not doing that next week. This is. I would say this at the bottom no. of my list. No. I would of things that we've listened to. As someone who likes the Kinks a lot and but didn't know this album, I would say situation vacant. Mm -hmm. Vacant really caught to me. I actually liked Love Me Till the Sun Shines because I liked the riff. It had a little edge that was missing from some of the other ones. Um, <laughs> You're wrong but, about that one. Well, no, the riff is actually I've never good. met anyone whose opinion was incorrect until now, but that's interesting. And that now you is. did, and it's your, yourself. Yeah. You're looking um, at a mirror. Anyhow, as it <laughs> turns out, some opinions are objective. Yes, uh, but you know what it was? Afternoon Tea was a song I did not know, and I was playing that in the car, and me and my daughter were both singing along. Like Not, not the words. We didn't know the words. That's we, a good We could song. catch the melody the song structure made sense like it was it was one of the ones that was leading to village how british for me. can you get um it was really strong but yeah no i yes you know well, what? And, and and i and again nothing on this for me is bad or unlistenable you know because again i love this sound so even the worst of the 1966 to 67 british records i would love this is a very solid record that leads to a brilliant record is how I felt about this, and and I do want to just add in one last thing because we have to we have we have to curtail this right now. Um, Nikki Hopkins plays piano and harpsichord all over this album. What are those and instruments? To not to not recognize his <laughs> to not recognize his contribution would be a shame because he's he's just amazing and he shows up on so many albums that we all love, including well, like uh, Let It Bleed. And I was going like that. that dude could yeah, play keys. I was going to point out, like, Adam, what, the intro to Death of a Clown, I thought you'd find interesting because Nicky Hopkins is finger picking the strings of the piano. That's what that sound is in the beginning of it. So it's almost wow. like a guitar yeah, piano. Yeah, it's amazing. Kevin and the harpsichord on two together in one thing. <laughs> I would yeah, not be Kevin. against doing this whole album in its entirety. I'm just going to say that, Jeff. Jeff, he wouldn't show up, but Kevin, I would play it. Look, no, no, no. I was just about to say your speech about this album will mm. 
propel me to go back to it. Yes. Wow. Nicely done. Last thing thing I'm going to say is uh, the harpsichord uh, part that Nikki Hopkins plays on Two Sisters is unfucking real, and I think a lot of people haven't noticed it. All right, Dad Van Land, we'll be back with charts. Yes, <laughs> Dad Van Land, we'll be back with our guilty pleasures right after this. Woo. And we're back on DBL. This has been a back. really Woo. interesting episode. We've done some DBL. different things, and I'm I, I'm liking it. Uh, but now we're going to do a same thing, but it's always different because it's always new stuff. It is time for Guilty Pleasures. Because nobody owns this segment, we don't have a theme song or even the hope of one. But once again, these are songs I could do that it. you... Yeah. You could, after after that Jeffy's Jukebox intro. But I feel like you're going to be still tinkering with that. Um, perhaps. These are songs that you, you feel like perhaps you shouldn't like for one reason or another, and yet you do. You love them. And... For our first one of those, we're going to our own Kevin Burke, who is uh, here right. under special contract from uh, Liverpool FC. Yes, from Shrapnel Records. A couple weeks ago, I did a guilty pleasure that was um, that was To Be With You by Mr. Big, right? Do you remember this? Jeffy was actually not yes. there, but yes. Um, the one, I don't need to say right. it to you because you know it. It's in your head. Anyhow, so I was talking to a listener this week, uh, Ryan Pears, who's, a, who's, a, who's big in the music, but he did not know that Mr. Big had begun as a shredding rock band, like a super group, right? And so it sent right. me it sent me down the path of rediscovering my youth. I was like, you know what? What were those records like? And so obviously, it's no secret to DBL listeners that I love Van Halen, but you may not know <laughs> you may not know that I also love Van Halen knockoff bands, right? Like a lot of bands, what? a lot of people hate bands <laughs> that mimic their favorite sounds of their bands. Not me, right? The formula that's like a good-looking singer and some guitar virtuoso and pop songs arranging guitar. I, I will eat that. I would take a third-rate Van Halen before a first-rate Eagles any day, and that's where wow. we end up on. Mr. Get out Big. of my cab, man! <laughs> wow, wow, I'm. So, I don't know. So I'm just this is just like your opinion, my, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna. Uh, this is the first. Single by Mr. Big in 1989, which is the first song off their first record called Mr. Big, and and it is as if it is as if a a, a lab was put together to assemble a song created for guitar nerds of 1989. Right? It it it. This song is so excited great. It opens. It opens. I mean, Mr. Big had the extra thing beyond the Van Halen formula of having a a bassist virtuoso in the band as well. So this song okay. opens. This song opens with a bass tapping intro, followed by guitar, what? followed by just play. By guitar riff. I want to hear this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It. Let me finish. Followed by harmonized bass and guitar tapping, and then moving into a song. The song is called "Addicted to That Rush," which is the most perfectly titled thing for one who likes to play fast guitar or do anything in 1989. All right, and uh, get out of the way and yeah, let yeah. us hear the song. Are you ready for "Addicted to That yes. Rush"? Summer of '89. Hit it.
Oh. All right, I wish I'm we had sweating. the time and the legal ability to listen to that all the way through to the guitar solo because I'm pretty sure that's going to be fantastic. You know what? It that is, is that so is awesome. Great. I mean, again, it is wow. preposterous, but it is oh, so yeah. great. No, and, uh, I mean, come on. No, I, every that, bit of it is worth the, it. That's the yeah. first time I've heard that song, and like five seconds into it, I'm like, my entire being is is taken over by it. Well, so, and, and, and that is the that, that is the audacity that pick. makes that kind gotta, of music I've gotta, worthwhile. I've got to add one as, other aspect to this because the guitarist is a guy named Paul Gilbert who's from from Pittsburgh, and there was a big rumor that he became <laughs> the guitarist Buckethead, and and it's proven to be not true. But there's a guitarist Buckethead from the '90s and 2000s that a lot of people believed was Paul Gilbert because <clears> he became on this type of music became unpopular, so he put on a Michael Myers mask, a wig, and a, and a KFC hat. And became a new character was the belief. So that's that's it's what not even down. true. It's, it turned out to not be true, but I it made perfect sense. Well, I want to I want to thank you for breaking out the unprecedented first <laughs> wax fiction <laughs> on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, great. And I also want to yell at you because um, oh my god, Kevin, I'm going to go next, and this is why, Kevin, because I believe yeah. that you did the unprecedented thing of bringing a second Ooh, yeah. cut by the same artist to well, our guilty players. Yeah, well, you, you definitely this? accused me of bringing uh, second-rate or off-off-off-brand Robert Plant. But no, no, no. But you brought you brought two <laughs> by the same yeah, artist. No, it to, is. To it this. is. It. I thought it about is. that. And it's it, unprecedented. It is unprecedented. And as I went but back to not watch a problem. it, no, there's not a problem. But no, I went here, back to there I went is back a problem, and I'll explain to you why. Oh, why? Why? I'll explain to you why it's a problem. Is because uh -huh. I was going to do the unprecedented. Thing. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and bring forward an Dude, artist that hey, had you, already been part really, of guilty pleasures. What you're about to do is very unprecedented. This is just unprecedented. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm just like mad that the two of you old. fucked it up for me. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is the precedent is literally minutes old. Yeah. And yeah. the precedent is bringing well, an artist I, back I only to do unprecedented things. I don't do precedented things. That's your bag. Well, I'm going to have to do a precedented thing. And it's somewhat tied in to the theme of Jeffy's Jukebox this week. We have mentioned this artist. This artist has been brought to Guilty Pleasures before. Size noodles. Um. This song is by this artist, and it also it relates to Jeffy's Jukebox. Hit it, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Come on. This is so good. Oh, oh. Schau, schau, oh. der Kommissar geht um. Oh, oh. 
Mr. Commissar by Falco. Remind me to tell you the story of the time my wife and I went to Vienna and as we were driving, getting driven you away from the You did tell us that story on the, on the previous episode. I was get, where you, you know, where you okay. brought I was Falco gonna, in. I was going to let him go because I'm your, I'm your friend, Jeffy. I was just going to let you do this and assume <laughs> that no one was going to remember that. But uh, you did tell us. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let, 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 let's uh, re-rack. Well, and, so and, for the, for the record, and for the record, Adam, this is still unprecedented because if I remember, Jeffy brought Falco previously. Totally. I, I so brought the I'm same the band twice within a month. Brought, that's right. You, you That was unprecedented. I'm the first guy who ever brought <laughs> somebody else's band yes. with a different song. Exactly. To, and, but You're you know what? I ground. loved your commissar. And, and as, as I think a lot of people who were alive in the 90s. No, Der Commissar was a hit by Falco, but it was such a hit that it was recorded, I think, seven or eight or nine other times in other countries in the native language. In uh, English, it was recorded by After the Fire, but I feel like every version that's not Falco's version is inferior to the original. Well, that's that's a given. Falco yeah, was that, a master. I, I love Dr. Commissar, and I love Amadeus, Rock Me Amadeus. He cut I the love Jeffy Vienna Black. Calling, which is... Uh, I, I, I love I just, Vienna I'm, Calling. I remember I love, from a previous I love episode, Jenny. Jeffy was in Vienna, and they played Vienna Calling. Yeah. I remember he told us that story. <laughs> he did tell us oh, that story. fuck right <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. And with that, let's move on to Brian Frank. What do you have for... <laughs> uh, well, I'm bringing a completely for guilty different pleasure. energy, so everybody, please bear with me. <laughs> energy. I'm not sure what energy well, we brought different. so far, so, but uh, th- this, what is this? This track, this track, it's been uh, won a Grammy Award for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. It hit number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 17 on the Adult Contemporary Chart, and number 19 on the Soul Chart. Nothing on the Rock Chart. Rock Kyle, why don't you... Uh, why don't you bring this soul in? Charts. Uh, it was released in October 79. Let's hear it, Kyle. But what more can I say? What's left to That is the. That's so wait, good. No, wow. Come on, you gotta wait for unmistakable. No, we don't. Kenny Loggins uh, and Michael <laughs> McDonald bringing us this. Kenny is it. Loggins. And what is so powerful? Yeah, and what's so powerful about That's this song that I didn't know until later in life. This is actually written for his father, who was in the hospital. And if you read the lyrics, it's about his father was what? losing hope. Uh, fighting these multiple series of strokes. Oh, wow. And so they started writing it as like a love song. And Kenny Loggins visited his dad in the hospital. And he famously said to Michael McDonald, you know what? No, oh, it's shit. not going to be a love song. It's going to be a life song. And so I encourage everyone to <gasps> read these lyrics 
And now it's just cemented oh, in my heart. I need yeah. to read. So I need good. to look at the lyrics yeah. again. Wow. Oh, my God. Brian, that's, that's beautiful. That that's awesome. I have to ask, Brian, how in what world were Mike? Because Michael McDonald was recently mm-hmm. at that point brought into the doobies, yeah. or at least only a couple of years. How did his past cross with it's a, Loggins? It's a great question. Point? I know yeah, they, yeah. they wrote a lot and worked. Together, yeah. Doobie I, and Loggins. You know what? I have How to look that up. I will recommend. Yeah, I, just, I don't I just, know if I. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm, what I'm wondering is, they shared a producer. No, or, you know, I mean, like if there was no, a supplement quality to it, yeah. or there's something going on. Wow. Think, so what's the deal? The, I think the larger metaphysical question that 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 uh, obtains from this is that had they not met and recorded this in 1979, would there have been a Good 1980s? And uh, yeah. very possible. Or who would? Have, how many people would have died? How many people's blood pressure right. would have been too high for the remainder of 1979? <laughs> it's just, the, it's just the, lowered and calmed. It's calmer, actually but. the remedy to That's cocaine. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> but I highly recommend. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before. The Yacht Rock series that's on YouTube. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So there's Love some that. great yes. Loggins yes. McDonald work there, and some great Ten Templeman work there. I'll leave it at that. There is. Loggins. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm familiar Loggins with McDonald's. the, I'm naturally familiar with the VH portion of that. So, yes. that That's a great one, Brian, because you know what? Arguably, like, bringing Kenny Loggins to Guilty Pleasures is like, it's almost a layup, you know? You brought it's a an uncontested one. layup. And also, I got to say, I'm, cause I, could, I could name right now three Kenny Loggins songs that should have ended up in our Guilty Pleasures, and this is the first. Yeah. This is the yeah, first no one. It's kind I of mean, stunning to us. We I should mean, pat ourselves on the back for holding off for this it long. It took us this long <laughs> to get to I've Kenny Loggins. I love it, and, and and we got to it in a great way. Wow. Yeah, that's a fantastic – of course you do. Hey, well, let's listen, move, gentlemen, let's move I've on. Got, I've got the I've got the one that's gonna take us home. Take us home. All right. We've been we've been given a lot we've been given a lot of love to Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Deserves it. So I want to I I want to give him a little more. Oh. I want to give him a little more because he's uh, doing some backup vocals on this classic from nineteen eighty well nineteen eighty five in the UK and nineteen eighty six. In the U.S., Kyle. I can come out to find you. I don't like to go outside. We gotta wait for it. Turn off my feelings. Like they turn it off the light. But I, is this the most Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins song there is? <laughs> I was about yeah. to say that. It's Phil Collins is Peter Gabriel in featuring Peter Gabriel. they know in 2010 every hit would sound like that jeffy tell us what that is well that is of course 
Take Me Home by Phil Collins from No Jacket Required, the last song on the album. And, you know, one of my favorite Phil Collins songs of all time, really. Uh, like, yeah. I can't tell you how much that song meant to me when it came out. Like, it was, I was traveling during the summer. I was in France um, when I was in high school and uh, away from my family and my life and uh that was like it was one of the first uh cds wow. i bought actually wow. and uh i listened to that song on the train traveling through europe and missing my home and it's, i don't think wow. that's a guilty pleasure i think that's a straight it is. up it pleasure is. is what that is jeffy that's my, right. you know, I feel phil, zero phil guilt. collins will always carry a little bit of guilt you know and I, on this and I, show you yeah, know I'm, in the yeah. pantheon where you know peter gabriel is revered as a god and and uh, uh you know phil i remember collins a, tro- a certain trolley situation someone as a yes. trickster yes I yes. feel like I need to elevate fair. him a little bit. No, that here. is fa- fair. That is fair. And I, and totally I will fair. say there's, and I don't know if you, everyone here, except for maybe Jeffy to some extent, but we're sort of East Coast burrs originally. And there's certain songs like this song, Careless Whisper, that seemed, if my memory, came out in the dark doldrums of the winter in which I just, I think about, like the sun was never out. I was hearing the song play on radios and cars in darkness the whole time. And uh, it's just one of those sort of small, like, Right now in LA, there's no summer songs, there's no winter songs, there's just songs, right? But there are certain songs that, inst- like this one, instantly transport me to it, not just a time period, a season, yeah. right? Where it's just... An actual season. An actual season, where it's slushy, and it's gray out, and <laughs> yeah. It's a summer song for me. Yeah, that's interesting, because we, we, we do place it during the summer. We do, if you grew up with seasons, <clears throat> you do place it, certain songs, like to me, Led Zeppelin's a fall band. Led Zeppelin is always a band yeah. of fall. And uh, I don't know why that is, but that's just what it is. But that's not something I do anymore. But this song was, to me, is a dark it's, winter song. It's a song. beautiful song. And you know what? Uh, let's all confess that we all have a small and, uh, you know, soft spot for Phil Collins. Because it was, I think it was maybe three weeks ago when Jeffy thought that we were all making fun of the song from Tarzan, where we all had... No, we loved I did yeah. think you were all no, making no, no, fun of it. brings us down to And that the song scene. brings We've me to had, tears in, like, yeah, no. every As time. As Kevin mentioned... <laughs> We have the trolley incident, Brian. and I recall, I recall yes. that right. We did I have the trolley. That. That's what inspired this. It's like Not everyone and Jeffy. saved we, we were Peter. Torn. Right? I, I, no, I I right. saved Peter. Jeff, oh, I didn't even Jeffy hesitate. Jeffy and I stood. I didn't even hesitate. Okay, sorry. We stood at I, the I crossroads my... of those tracks of that trolley, and Jeffy and I stood there unable. Yeah, and unable we let Peter to, Gabriel to flip die. that switch. Yes. I think the issue is this. Phil Collins is Superman, and nobody wants to claim they love Superman, right? Whereas Peter Gabriel was Batman. He's, like, cool, and he feels kind of dangerous, but you can't deny that Superman's important. Like, Phil Collins had a lot of hits. Yeah, Everyone loved him. And Superman is the shit. Exactly. And it's, so it's, that's it's Phil Collins. Good, He's Superman to uh, Peter Gabriel's Batman. I, I'm glad that we had this Fair moment. Enough. I'm still killing Phil Collins if I'm saving Peter, Peter Gabriel. All right, um, that's all right everybody. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Kyle. Kyle. What do you got Ready for us? Kyle, man? you have heard a lot of interesting, fantastic stuff. And by the way, I don't want to kill Phil Collins, everybody. It's just if the choice. Oh, we know. We know. Is, yeah. No, but right. I, I made my choice. <laughs> Very clear. <laughs> Kyle, who will wear the crown of shame this week? Well, you would think that, you know, by mentioning 
uh, adult contemporary that that would be just like an absolute shoe in <laughs> for the crown. For, for Brian. I think you, uh, I think you saved yourself with that love life spiel. So I'm handing out a, uh, a crown of fame tonight to, uh, to Jeffy Branion because I also would be saving Phil Collins. I don't know that song. Just, yes. It just, uh, it makes me, it makes wow. me happy. Love that. No, it's a good, it's a good wow. song. I mean, I mean, admit it. it it's is. no, it is it's a great no, song. It's no addicted to that rush by Mr. Big, but we're just going to accept that, right? I just want to accept. Yeah. That no, no, no. Kyle, yeah, Kyle handed out a crown of fame on a crown of shame night, <laughs> which I think might be unprecedented. It is a more this, unprecedented. This is, Kyle's not like you. Yeah. Is, <laughs> I do have to mention that Jeffy's choice was also unprecedented because I mentioned that song as a wax fact last week, and now it made an appearance. As a guilty pleasure. Facts, facts. This is a hell of an episode, wow. fellas. Wow. <laughs> you know, it, it's are. really, it's really, everyone is unprecedented uh, except for maybe Adam Felber tonight. <laughs> I, I think we established a precedent for my. We were just handing. We were just. Uh, we were just giving that to you to make you feel better. <laughs> well, thanks for throwing me the bone. All right, everybody, send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials because we're on all, all the socials. And we're having a lot of fun. In fact, uh, keep submitting those ideas for Jeffy's Jukebox because uh, that one this week by our listener. What's his name again, Jeffy? Greg. Greg. O'Sullivan. This one, Greg O'Sullivan. Sorry. Thank you Greg so O'Sullivan. much. Thank you so much, Greg O'Sullivan, for yours. And we've got a couple of others in the inbox at dadbandland.gmail.com that we're definitely going to use. and loaded. And definitely going to name check you. Dad Band Land is produced by me and by Jeffy Branion. Opening music montage by Jeffy. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. And this is Dad Band Land signing off for another week. DBL! DBL! Stopping. Starburns Avenue, a podcast network.